take a few moments to fill out this connection card. It'll just be, uh, gives us an opportunity to connect with you a little bit. And uh, if you have any questions, of course, about our church, pretty quickly, doesn't it? It's a little bit of a different expectation when, as you get older. And it seems like it comes pretty fast. But even though there's sometimes struggle in the waiting, struggle in our lives, we believe that there's a blessed hope at the end of the tunnel, an ultimate victory. This is what allows us to have joy regardless of the circumstances and regardless with what is happening in life. Regardless of how dark it gets in our life, there is a light at the end of the tunnel, and that light is Jesus Christ. We also talked about last week the, the quote from the famous theologian, Mick Jagger, you can't always get what you want, but you get what you need. You see, even in the waiting, God is providing the things that we need. In the waiting and often in loss, we learn to value what is truly important and to let go of all the things that are not. It is in the moments of loss that we begin to truly appreciate all that has been given and we begin to differentiate between a need and a want. A need and a want. Last week I shared with you a, a, a gift that I wanted when I was in middle school. I remember waiting and hoping that I would finally get that Nintendo for Christmas so I could play Tecmo Bowl, Mario Brothers, and Duck Hunt. And I didn't get it. It was kind of an It was rare that I got a gift that I wanted. And Nintendo was about 100 bucks back then, which was a lot of money you know, for, for us, especially. But that Nintendo didn't last long. You see, when I was in middle school, I had a fire. And everything that was in our home burned down. It was a brick building. So at least we didn't, you know, we didn't, the building still stood, but everything in it burned. I'll never forget that day when Mr. Candela, the principal of our school, called me down to the office. Now, you never know what a call like that's going to be. And I was kind of scrambled thinking, I mean, I was a kid, I usually never got into trouble, so. I didn't know what this was about. Mr. Candela drove me to my house, or what was left of it, on that day. And from a young age, I've learned to hold loosely to the things that do not matter, and hold tightly to the things that do. They just gave me a perspective that maybe others do not have, at least at that young age. My encouragement to you is that even in the tragedies of life, even in the most difficult times, that there are gifts that we don't see or understand that God has given us. There are things that he's placed in our hands. And we may not understand it at the time, but looking back, we can see how great of a gift it really was. How many of you could look back at life and say, there are certain things that I didn't really see as a gift in the moment, but later on I look back and see that you know, God was doing something in the midst of that trial, in the midst of that frustration. I think we've all been there. The first gift that God gives to us is a plan. He gives us a plan. Now I'm going to read Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 15 to you this morning. It's not going to be up on the screen, so if you have a Bible and you prefer to follow along, feel free to do that. Otherwise, just listen to this part of the story, this part of the narrative about Jesus Christ and his coming. Verse 1, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. This is Matthew chapter 2. I don't know if I said that enough. Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. And about that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem, asking, where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. 
King Herod was deeply disturbed when he heard this, as was everyone in Jerusalem. He called a meeting of the leading priests and the teachers of the religious law and said, Where is the Messiah supposed to be born? In Bethlehem, in Judea, they said. For this is what the prophet wrote. And you, O Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the ruling cities of Judah. For a ruler will come from you who will be the shepherd for my people Israel. Then Herod called for a private meeting with the wise men, and he learned from them the time when the star first appeared. Then he told them, go to Bethlehem and search carefully for the child, and when you find him, come back and tell me, so that I can worship him too. After this interview, the wise men went their way, and the star they had seen in the east guided them to Bethlehem. It went ahead of them and stopped at the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were filled with joy. They entered the house and saw the child with his mother. And they bowed down and they worshipped him. And then they opened their treasure chest and gave him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. How, how many of you are familiar with a man named Tim Hawkins? He's a Christian comedian. And he does a little skit about Christian, actually about Christmas hymns. And he talks about, you know, how, you know, it must have been a man that wrote this. And then, of course, the men brought these gifts. Because it says, A child, a child, shivers in the cold, let's bring him silver and gold. <laughs> and he says, How about a blanket? <laughs> right? Anyway, I'm getting off. Uh, let's go back to verse 12. <laughs> yes, let's bring him silver and gold. That will help. Verse 12, when it was time to leave, they returned to their own country by another route. For God had warned them in a dream not to return to Herod. And after the wise men were gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up, flee to Egypt with the child and his mother, the angel said. Stay there until I tell you to return, because Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. That night, Joseph left for Egypt with the child of Mary, his mother. And they stayed there until Herod's death. This fulfilled what the Lord had spoken to the prophet. I called my son out of Egypt. See, God gives us a plan. And even in the story of the birth of Jesus, it wasn't perfect, was it? Not everything went exactly as planned. Well, not according to their plans, anyway. You see, it was not in Mary's lifetime goals to become pregnant without any natural reason for being pregnant. How many of you ever had that goal? People were whispering things behind her back. But an angel spoke to her, and she submitted to God's plan. It was not Joseph's plan to marry a woman who was already pregnant. In fact, Scripture says and teaches us that he had planned to quietly divorce her. But the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream, and Joseph submitted. To God's plan. They did not plan to have their baby in Bethlehem, very far away from their hometown. They were there because they were required by a census to be there. And all of a sudden it became time for Mary to give birth. That was not Mary's birth plan. They didn't know it at the time, but they were submitting to God's plan to a prophecy given about where the Messiah would come. And they certainly were not planning a trip to Egypt anytime soon. 
That was not in the cards. There was no plan right after a birth going to Egypt. It was a few years after. But again, God spoke to Joseph in a dream and he left for Egypt. And this trip was financed by the gifts that the wise men brought to them. God was providing for them before they even knew that they needed the gifts that he was going to provide. Also, again, not knowing that they were fulfilling a scriptural prophecy saying the Messiah is going to come out of Egypt. You see, our plans, as great as they may be, are not like his plans. But he does have a plan. God has a plan for our lives. Even through the times when we struggle to see the plan. Even where it seems like we're looking through goggles that are tinted or goggles that are fogged up and we're looking and we just can't see the next step. There's one thing that I've learned over the years and it's that God has a plan for my life even when I do not see it. I have learned through a lot of anxiety, stress, and struggle to get into the plan and to trust God with it. To say, Lord, I'm submitting to your plan for my life. I'm not trying to force my plan. And I can say that he has never let me down. I mean, if you can say that, he's never let me down. He has provided for my every need. He has put people in my life at the right times. He has ordered my steps even when I took steps of faith that didn't seem to make sense. Proverbs 16.9 says, We can make our plans, but the Lord determines our steps. What does this say? It's okay to have plans. This is not an anti-plan message. It's good to have plans, but recognize that we submit our plans to God and recognize that he is in control. He orders our steps. He takes us from point A to point B. You see, when we submit our plan to his plan, we begin to see him at work in our lives. And we live fulfilled lives. Though I may not always understand the plan or what he is doing, one thing I've learned to do is just to trust him. To trust the plan. God has a plan for you. And that plan is good. God's plan is good. You can see the passage we're about to read was written to the Israelites in captivity. And this is the promise God gave to them. And I believe that the principle applies to all of us today who are Christ followers. In Jeremiah chapter 29, 11 through 14, some of you know part of this by heart. You know the scripture reference, 29, 11. It says, for I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are plans for good. You say good? They're plans for good. And not for disaster. To give you a future and a hope. In those days when you pray, I will listen. If you look to me wholeheartedly, you will find me. I will be found by you, says the Lord. I will end your captivity and restore your fortunes. I will gather you out of the nations where I sent you. And will bring you home again to your own land. See, when you begin to believe that God has a plan for you. And not only just believe that he has a plan for you, but that that plan is good. You begin to live differently. You begin to speak differently. You begin to act differently. Why? Because you know that you're in God's plan. And you're in alignment with what he has for you. And you begin to speak with boldness. And you begin to focus on the positive and not the negative. And you begin to see the things that he's given you rather than the things that he has not given. 
God's plan for you, your life is for good and not disaster, to give you a future and a hope. And that's kind of what all this season is about when we think of the Christmas season. It's about hope in the midst of trial, hope in the midst of a storm. This is God's promise over your life. Do you truly believe that? That He has a plan for you and His plan is good? It's a great gift to know that God has a plan for your life. His plan is good. This is an encouraging word for this season. It's not been the easiest couple of years for many of us. But God has a plan for your life. And that plan is good. You need to begin to allow that to sink in, not only to your head, but to your heart. And trust that God's plan is good for you, regardless of outside circumstances. See, the plan to send his son as a baby would not make sense to us. But there was a plan that Mary and Joseph could not see. God has a plan for the salvation of the world. Despite what it feels like, life is not meaningless. It is not without purpose. Christmas is when we remind ourselves, once again, that God is the God of history and nothing happens haphazardly. Nothing happens by chance. When things are not going well, or even if they are, we hold on to the promise that God is working through what we are going through. That same fire where when I walked into the house, you see that what was left of my Nintendo melted to the floor. There was a spark of hope. There was a spark of hope. See, my mom worked at a nuclear power plant. She was a security guard. Often worked 12 hour shifts. And one of the guys that she worked with was a Christian. And this guy got a new drum set. And he decided that, and my mom told him that I had picked up the drums a little bit here and there, just playing with other people. I didn't have my own drum set. And he said he would give it to me with one stipulation that I would use them for the glory of God. That I would use them to glorify God in my plan. And what's interesting about this story is that prior to the fire, my cousin asked me if he could borrow the drums. And being the great guy that I was, I said, sure, you can borrow my drums. Ended up being one of the few things I had left after that fire. See, my drum set was not in that house. And that was God's plan all along. See, God had a plan for that drum set, and that plan included how I would use the blessing that He had given. I began to watch other drummers and learn how to play, often playing along with cassette tapes. Now, cassette tapes are these things that are not this to explain to some of you. It has two holes like this. And you put it in this little thing and you push the button and the tape inside and play something on it. And I had a really bad cassette player, so I was often pulling it out and you know, trying to twist it back up and trying to get it from that crinkling that got all crinkled up in there. But I would play those cassette tapes as loud as they would go and play along. And I'm sure I ticked off all the neighbors in my trailer park with my playing, you know, in the walls of those trailers are. But I was taking them off in the name of Jesus. Amen. Right? Right there. 
<laughs> I ended up using my gift to play on worship teams uh, in different churches. And I ended up playing at that same drum set on the in college stage as I used my gift to lead worship on the drums in college. Not only my talent, but my drums I used to glorify God in worship. See, God gives us a plan for our lives, and it is good. The second thing that God gives to us as a gift to us in this season is that he gives us purpose. God gives us purpose. See, just like God allowed my drums to be saved and gave me a purpose for using those drums, God gives us purpose. And God can give our lives purpose. You may not understand what you're going through, but God has a master plan. He is working things out in the background for your good, and you have to trust that. Can I say that every one of us have different gifts and talents that have been given to us by God? The question is, when we think of gifts that we've been given by God, which is a plan and a purpose, the question is, are we putting those gifts to use? Because when you begin to put those gifts to use, that's where you begin to find your purpose, your calling. You think of Moses, when God asked Moses, what's in your hand, Moses? What's in your hand? You see, because God often starts with something that is already in your hands. You may feel as if you do not have much. But what you offer to God, he can use. And the question comes back to this. What are you doing with what has been given to you? This is something we call stewardship. If you're struggling financially, what have you done with the finances that you've been given? Have you been tithing, giving 10%? Have you been giving offerings, giving money to missions? If you have been feeling like life is pointless, how are you using the gifts that God has given you? Because when you put your gifts to use, you feel more fulfilled in your life. It's more exciting. You know that God has created you for this reason. And you begin to do it. And it's exciting. Are you overwhelmed with all that God has blessed you with? Well, many of us could say, well, I'm just overwhelmed often with all the things that God has given me. Being where I came from to where I am today, overwhelmed with that. If you're overwhelmed with all that blessing, you've been blessed to be a blessing to others. Who are you blessing? Would be my question. If you're in need of healing, you spend more time complaining about it than you do praying for people. Now, what I've added this to here is not mean that you're not healed because you somehow don't have enough faith. I don't have the answers for why God answers some prayers and does not answer others. But it's so easy to fall into the trap of talking more about the problem than the solution. The solution is prayer. The solution is believing God for the miracle. But this morning, as we think of gifts that we've been given and gifts that we give, what's in your hand today? I'll be honest, I think most of us. It's a lot easier to see what we don't have than what we do. It's a lot easier to say, well, I don't have this, I don't have that. We as a church don't have this thing, or we don't have this other thing. 
we find our first purpose and we start using our gifts to bless others. See, the wise men brought gifts to Jesus. The wise men brought gifts to Jesus. What gifts do you bring? What gifts do you lay down? What gifts do you place at the manger? There are three things about gifts that we need to know. The first thing is that gifts are given to us to be a blessing to others. Say it another way, we are blessed to be a blessing. Genesis 12, 1-3 says, The Lord said to Abram, Leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you into a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you with contempt. All of your families, all of the families on earth, will be blessed through you. Abraham was blessed. We are blessed because of Abraham, because of the salvation that's offered to the family line of Abraham. We are blessed to be a blessing to others. The second thing is our gifts are used to serve others. Our gifts are used to serve others. First Peter 4, 10 through 11. said, God has given each of you a gift from this great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. Do you have the gift of speaking? Then speak as though God himself was speaking for you. Do you have the gift of helping others? Do it with all the strength and energy that God supplies to you. Then everything you do will bring glory to God through Jesus Christ. All glory and power to him forever and ever. Amen. In the Westminster Catechism, it's used by the Presbyterian Church, asks this question and answer. What is the chief end of man? A man's chief end is to glorify God and to enjoy him forever. How do we glorify God? By putting our gifts to use so that we can be a blessing to others. This church needs all of our gifts if we want to see what it looks like to have a church that's firing in all cylinders. The third thing about gifts is we use our gifts as a witness to others. Matthew 5, 14 through 16. It says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop, you cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. See, when you use your gifts to do good deeds, to help others, your good deeds are seen and everyone will praise your Heavenly Father. See, using your gifts points back to the one who gave the greatest gift of all time. And this is what we celebrate at Christmas. God gave the gift of his son to the world, a gift that would ultimately be sacrificed on a cross so that we can live changed lives, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be renewed and refreshed. This Christmas, let's live with the assurance that God has a plan for our lives. And that plan is good. This Christmas, let's take what we already have in our hands and begin to use it for God's glory. 
It is by doing this that we begin to find our purpose. Let's give to others. Let's serve others. Let's be a light fueled by our good deeds. And when you do this, and you learn to trust God's plan, you use your gifts and you fulfill the purpose that God has for you. And in doing so, you bring glory to God in this season. Let's pray. Lord, help us to trust your good plan for our lives. Help us to use what you've already given and find our calling. Help us to serve and love others. Help us to bring glory to your name this Christmas. Then we can um, react to those when you're watching online and you're here in this room this morning. Maybe you're listening and you've never given your life over to Jesus Christ. You've never made a decision to follow Christ for you. See, Jesus came so that you could live a full life, a life filled with purpose, called to do good deeds, a life that has been forgiven of the past, a life that looks forward to the future. If you're ready to ask him to be a part of your life, all you have to do is ask. He will make you new and give you a joy that cannot be shaken by circumstances. Jesus Christ came in a manger, but he died on a cross as a sacrifice so that we could be forgiven of our sin. And not only did he die on a cross, we celebrate another holiday called Easter, where we celebrate him rising from the dead. Because when we accept Jesus Christ into our lives and his forgiveness, we rise to new life. We are changed. And what better way to begin the Christmas season than giving your life to the person that this season is all about? Christmas, Christmas, Christmas. If you've never surrendered your life to Christ, or you need a renewed relationship, This is the time. This is the season. Why? Because I believe with all of my heart that God has a plan for you. And that plan is good. And today can be the day you get back on track with God's plan for you. I'm asking just to say this simple prayer. You want to say it out loud. Lord, I believe you died for my sins. Today I'm giving my life over to you. I believe you rose again. Forgive me of my sins. Make me right new right now and fill me with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I want to say this morning that if you prayed that prayer and you're here in this room, on the connection card, there's a little box for you to check out and say, I gave my life to Christ today. If you could take a moment just to do that, after service, there's an offering box right in the back. You can drop that right in the offering box. We want to be able to connect with you and maybe talk to you about some next steps in growing your faith. When you're watching online or you're here today, there's also an app. If you have the ability to download apps on your phone, there's an app called YouVersion. There's been over 500 million and counting uh, downloads of the YouVersion app of God's Word on people's phones and devices. There's a, a devotion that you want to look up called First Steps for New Believers. That's going to help you continue to grow in your faith. I want to encourage you to find a church if you're not local. If you're watching online from far away, find a church local to you that's preaching God's Word. Live around the Cape. We meet here on Sundays at 10 a.m. I encourage you to come and be a part of what God is doing here in this church. This morning I'm going to ask the congregation to stand as we prepare to close. 
And I'm doing this all throughout the Christmas season because I think it's important to remember where we've come from. To remember the beliefs that we have as a church. It's important to remember that we stand for certain things. And the Apostles' Creed, in the Apostles' Creed, when we say the Apostles' Creed, we're joining with voices throughout history, both past and present and future, that continue to stand on this foundation of what we believe as a church and what we believe as a church universal. So this morning, we're going to read this together, and we're going to state it together as we read the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, God's only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. And he will come again to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. God bless you. Have a great Sunday. Merry Christmas season. It's not Christmas yet, but we're getting close. Have a great Sunday.